0: Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. All right, well, hey, good morning, City Bridge. Happy NFL weekend, kickoff weekend. Hopefully the Cowboys do better than the Aggies did. So, yeah, for all the Aggies in the room. We are continuing this series. I am an Aggie, I feel like I can say that. Come on, good grief. Yeah, all right, let's let's keep moving here, people. We're in a series called On Brand, and I thought I'd start by bringing back a picture that a young girl tweeted a number of years ago in February 2015. She was getting ready for her wedding and her mother was looking for a dress and her mother found this dress and sent her daughter, the bride, the picture. And here's the picture of the dress. Now, she said, what do you think about this black and blue one? The mother to the daughter. And the daughter said, what do you mean black and blue? That's white and gold. And she later posted it on social media and it just went viral. It's become known as the dress. There was over a million people going to the Tumblr page where it was listed per minute at its peak. Now, in this room, we probably are divided in that some of us think it is black and blue, others think it's white and gold. In fact, by show of hands, who thinks it's white and gold? That, that, is, that is shocking. That is, who, who is in the correct camp and thinks it's black and blue? Yeah. Now, I, think about this. We are both seeing the same image. Who's who's white and gold? Which part is white? (laughs) The the blue part is white, right? Look, okay, okay. My point is look how divided we're both seeing the same thing, and yet we have completely different perspectives on what is true because of what we see. Now, there is a way to actually definitively know, is it black and blue or is it white and gold despite whatever you feel or what you see. What is that way? You go to the creator of the dress. The manufacturer who came out, this is from the British company Roman Originals and said it is in fact black and blue. In fact, here's a picture of the original dress. Now, what does that have to do with what we're talking about today? Well, in that scenario, the way you know what is true is you go to the Creator, and in doing so, you're able to know the truth. And as believers in Christ, there's something very similar that we have been given access to that we're gonna talk about this morning that involves us going to the Creator to know what's true. Despite what we think, what we feel, that we've been given a gift from God to go to the Creator and to know what is true. We do that by going to God's word. So we're gonna look at the topic of Bible-based. This morning we're covering the values in this series that have marked the body of Christ, the church. And last week we started talking about authenticity and how the body of Christ throughout time has always been marked by authenticity or transparency and openness about where they are broken or need help. And today we're gonna cover another characteristic that has always marked the people of God and that is that they go to God's word. look to god's word to inform their life to understand life and we're going to talk about that idea for the next handful of minutes but it's hard to overstate how important this truth is for every believer the degree to which you and i are going to god's word applying god's word in every arena of life is impacting how we're experiencing that arena of life the degree to which you go to god's word for your marriage it's shaping your marriage for better or worse The degree to which you go to God's word in terms of how you think about finances or your job or just life in general is impacting the levels of anxiety in the room. It's impacting your perspective and how you spend your time. And as believers, as we're gonna see, we've been given a tremendous gift in a world that is divided and has different perspectives. They see white and gold and others see black and blue that we can definitively know here's what is true and here is God's design and instructions for life because we go to the creator and discover what is true. So we're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can flip there as we explore the topic of being on brand, which is just the qualities that mark the body of Christ. And part of that is being biblically based, going to God's word. Now Timothy, 2 Timothy was written to Timothy, And it was written from the Apostle Paul. And if you're not familiar with Paul and Timothy's relationship, it was a really unique one. Perhaps the most unique in all of the New Testament relationships after Jesus and the disciples. Paul, who wrote somewhere between a half or up to two thirds of the New Testament would say, of all the people in my life, I've got nobody like Timothy. If the Apostle Paul is Batman, then Robin would be Timothy. Timothy helped Paul write several of the New Testament works. He, as I said, was mentioned by Paul, he's one of the most faithful, I have no one who's a minister like Timothy. And Paul wrote several different letters and this would be the last letters and we're gonna look at some of the last words in the last letter that the Apostle Paul would write in around 64 AD. Now he's sitting in a Roman prison cell, you can actually today go visit that Roman prison cell, it's just in the heart of Rome. And he writes some of the final words to this incredibly close friend that he had. Paul knowing that shortly after this, he'll be led out of that prison cell, taken into a courtyard, a Roman courtyard, be forced to kneel, have a bag placed over his head and be beheaded. But before that happens, he writes some of the final instructions and he talks about God's word and the importance of it, what it points to specifically, what it gives us when we go to it and what it prevents from us or prevents us from doing when we live according to it. So Second Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible, but it'll be up on the screens in the meantime, and we'll look at three qualities from God's word, and then get everybody off to brunch or whatever's next, okay? Verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, you, City Bridge, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you have been acquainted with his sacred writings. In chapter one, we're told that his mother Lois and his grandmother Eunice taught Timothy from an early age the scriptures, which is a great example and side note that one of the greatest gifts that any of us as parents can give to our kids is to raise them at home where they constantly see mom and dad going to God's word, living according to God's word. Another way of saying it is if you wanna raise somebody that sees faith as just something you do on Sunday and not actually genuine, then don't be someone who goes to God's word and lives according to it. But Timothy had a godly mother who taught him the scriptures, the sacred writings, that's the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's interesting. When Paul wrote this, the New Testament was not complete. So what's he talking about? The Bible at that time was the Old Testament. Paul just said the Old Testament writings are able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul, are you saying that the Old Testament points and allows you to know about Jesus Christ? Yes, because the Old and New Testament are all about Jesus. The first idea that we see from the text is that the Bible is all about Jesus. From beginning to end, there's pictures, there's prophecies, there's pointings from God that set up the Messiah coming. The first idea that we see from the text is the Bible points to Jesus. In other words, the Bible is not just about the Bible. The Bible is not about a set of principles or rules to live by. The Bible is not a collection of good stories to follow in the example of good guys. The Bible is a story of one good guy and everyone else being bad guys. And in fact, such bad guys that they kill the one good guy whose name is Jesus. That the Bible is all about from beginning to end, Paul says, Jesus that in every turn, God is pointing to and setting up the arrival of the Messiah. Jesus would even say this very blatantly in John chapter 5, where he's having a conversation with a group called Pharisees. Pharisees were professional religious people who their knowledge of the Old Testament far exceeds every single person in this room, I would guess. Why do I say that? Because to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Most of us don't spend much, if any time, in the five books of the Bible. And yet these guys had memorized and knew the scriptures backwards and forward. And Jesus has some pretty sharp words related to this idea of, you don't understand what those scriptures are all about. It says this in chapter five, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures, the Old Testament, point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. On another occasion, Jesus is walking on what's called the road to Emmaus, and he's with some disciples in Luke chapter 24, and he is walking along the road, and he's resurrected, but these two disciples, who are not told their names, didn't know that at the time, and Jesus shows up and just starts walking with them as they're kind of walking along. For whatever reason, he kept himself hidden, we're told, so they didn't know it was him. They just see another guy walking along, and this other guy, who's Jesus, begins to, as they're walking, like, hey, what are y'all talking about? And they turn to him and they say, are you the only person in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know about what has taken place? That Jesus, who we thought was the Messiah, has been crucified. And some people say he's been risen from the dead. And Jesus still in kind of undercover boss mode says this to them, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, that's the law, and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself, that Jesus begins to go through story by story and say how these were all pointing to me. And you've read and are familiar with, and as we approach the Bible, it's all pointing to Jesus, a relationship with him, the need for a savior. I mean, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament sets up man has a penalty for sin, deserves a payment. It's foreshadowing Jesus's ultimate work on the cross. I mean, every single story points in some ways to Jesus because the Bible is all about him. And these men had read through it and had missed, despite having seen it or read it, they had missed what the story of the entire Bible is ultimately about, despite having seen it every day. There's things in our life that we see constantly and yet can not always connect the dots or fail to, because we're so familiar, actually see what's being communicated. What do I mean? Well, different logos and brands will have hidden meanings or have something that's very intentionally placed there that it's trying to communicate, and yet we're so familiar with them that we kind of overlook it or we miss it. It's an example. One of the more common ones, Amazon. Amazon, probably everyone in this room has seen this logo in the last 24 hours. May have a box or too many boxes at your house currently, that have these all over them. Now, what is Amazon's logo communicating? It says, hey, we got you covered from A to Z, no matter what you need. Ah. (laughs) Let's close in prayer, okay? (laughs) What's another one? FedEx, FedEx that transports all those Amazon boxes. FedEx also has a hidden meaning. Hey, we've got an arrow that points to the X. See the E and the X, there's an arrow in between because X marks the spot. We will get it to where the X spot is marked. Man, you guys are easy to please. (laughs) You guys are killing me. Uh, What's another one? What's the next one we have up there? Tostitos. Tostitos, everyone's gonna bust these out tonight and watch the Cowboys lose. But in the Tostitos bag, (laughs) there's also a hidden meaning. There's two guys, the T, And they're eating a chip and a salsa. Despite the fact that you've seen it tons, dozens, hundreds of times, you can miss what's right in front of you. And that is exactly what had taken place as people, Jesus is saying, when you read through the Old Testament, it's all pointing to me. That as you read through Leviticus or you read through the Psalms, as you read through different moments in the story, I mean, think about how many prophetic or metaphorical ways that Jesus embodies what so many of even the heroes of the Old Testament look like. Like Moses, remember Moses? Charleston Heston shows up, let my people go. Nobody on the age of 30 got that reference, but he was an actor that played Moses. It's a joke, people. He shows up, Pharaoh in the Bible, let my people go. Eventually leads the nation out of bondage and slavery. Just like Jesus would show up and lead his people. Now the church out of the bondage of slavery to sin. I mean, even think of the Passover. Remember the Passover? Hey, you're going to take a lamb and everyone whose doorpost marked in the seal of a cross is covered by the spotless blood of that lamb. They will be passed over and God will protect them. Think about Noah. Remember Noah, the ark, God shows up two-by-two, animals all in the boat. An ark is a piece of wood. It's just a piece of wood that's constructed and concealed, and God says, my judgment will be poured out. But everyone who trusts and gets in the boat, who trusts in this piece of wood that is lifted up as the water rises, will be saved. Just like everyone who trusts in the piece of wood called a cross that is lifted up will be saved from God's judgment. David killed the giant of Goliath. Just like Jesus killed the giant of sin and death in our world. Interesting, David used five stones, or he picked up five stones to go slay the giant. The Hebrew number for grace is five. Just like Jesus killed the giant of sin and death that we could not with grace. I mean, you could keep going. Jonah who spent three days in the belly of a whale, Jesus would later say about himself, hey, I'm giving you the sign of Jonah and that I will spend three days in the belly of the fish over and over. If you got any of the Old Testament characters here today, they would say, it's all about Jesus. It's not about Moses. It's not about Joshua. The Bible from beginning to end, it's all been pointing to Jesus. And this message that was right in front of them, they clearly had missed, just like many today in our world can approach it as a bunch of rules or a bunch of principles. The Bible is not about a bunch of principles. The Bible is not a self-help book because the focus of a self-help book is what? Self. The Bible, and the focus of the Bible is Jesus and have a relationship with him. If anything, it's better read it as it were a love letter, if so, and that God's perfect display of love towards humanity, and it's all been pointing to Jesus. So the first thing we see is that the Bible points to Jesus. Second thing we see is the Bible presents something to us as we read it. Verse 16, Paul says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. says all of the scripture, it's as though God breathed it onto the pages, and it teaches us and instructs us from God's perspective. The second thing that we get when we go to God's word and we read it is an understanding of Jesus and how to have a relationship with him. And then we get the perspective of God. It presents us God's perspective on the world. It prevents us the creator, just like with that dress. Here's what's actually true, despite what you feel, despite what you think, here's what actually is true. And when we go to the Bible, we're given God's perspective on life, how to see marriage as God sees marriage, how to see life and how to use your time As God says, this is what life is ultimately about. How to handle and approach anxiety. We're instructed on God's perspective as it relates to life. And we go to it and we read it and study it in context, asking, hey, what's the truth that God was communicating then? And what's the truth that is timeless? It applies to me. What can I learn from this? In other words, we don't read it like it's a magic eight ball. What's a magic eight ball? Remember these from the 80s, 90s? You shake it. This after asking a question, and so, hey, uh, will the Aggies win next weekend, okay? (laughs) Very doubtful. (laughs) You ask a question, you shake it, and you go, oh man, maybe that's the answer. But there's a flavor of that that happens in Christianity where Christians under not a, hey, I'm, I'm rightly approaching God's word, and I'm studying it, and I understand what's happening in Lamentations and how that applies. There's a way in which Christians have their own version of doing that exact same thing, where although they don't shake it, they will go, man, I'm wondering if I should leave my job. And then they open up and it says, Psalm 18, he brought me into a spacious place and rescued me. Uh, Honey, I think I'm supposed to move. And they move on. Or am I supposed to date her, Rebecca? And then they flip open and they're like, Isaac married Rebecca. I think I'm supposed to change my name to Isaac and marry Rebecca. Which is not the right way to approach the scriptures that you study them in context and understanding. And that can be really challenging. And we wanna help that to not be as challenging, which is why we provide resources and curriculum and classes in our men's Bible study and women's Bible study so that you can rightly understand to navigate and walk through what God's word says. But for that, for you to know God's word, you've gotta spend time in it. You've gotta prioritize. Hey, this week, personally, you're gonna spend time reading in God's word. You're gonna start your morning or maybe at lunch or maybe just right when you get to your office and you're like, things are crazy at home. And so you're just gonna spend 10 minutes in your car. You're gonna open the Bible. You're gonna open the book of John. Maybe you never read anything. You're gonna go to John or you're gonna go to the book of Proverbs and you're gonna read one verse and say, God, speak to me. Your servant is listening. I wanna hear, I wanna know you more. But you've gotta make that decision personally and prioritize it with time. What's interesting is, You know the word silent and listen have all the exact same letters? That part of us listening is we've gotta get silent. And God is much more interested in us hearing from him than maybe we are interested through the way that we prioritize it in him speaking. But in reading God's word, we're introduced to the perspective of God. It says it's useful for reproof and correcting. Now, we think of that like shaming, it's just pointing us back to what's true. This is called a chalk line reel. And if you're in construction, you've probably seen this. If you're not, you you may have seen it in passing or may not know what it is, but if somebody was gonna do flooring at your house or new tile in your bathroom, they're gonna use one of these if they wanna do it correctly. Why? Because they stretch this over the floor, then they pop the chalk line down and it creates a line that's directly straight. And then they put every tile up against that line. They just try to do it with the eyeball, and then it's likely to have some janky looking construction work that takes place, because they know, hey, we need a standard to put everything up against. And God's word is to be a standard in our life of, hey, what is the way that we're called to parent? What's the way that we're called to handle and steward finances? What's the purpose of work? All these different things that God's word clearly answers and gives us the answers to. And that we then take our perspective and our opinion and we take it up to the line of God's word and say, God, if anything is not aligned, will you help me align it? Will you help me see that it's not aligned and align back to your word? You're the creator of life. You designed life not to rip me off, but to help me experience the abundant life. And so God, help anything that's not conformed to the line of your word for that to not be the case. And for that to take place, you and I have to prioritize spending time reading it. Hebrews chapter four says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrates and dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It points out where we're not living in line with God's word. Now, for those of us who are seeking to follow God's word, here's one way you can know that that's happening. Are there times in your life where you do something you don't want to do, but you do it because God's word says to If you can't think of a time where you did something, you forgave someone, you gave something, you served somewhere, you did something that you weren't in isolation or on your own naturally, like, yeah, I really wanna do that, but you know what? I'm choosing to forgive them because God's word tells me to. If you can't think of a time where you've done that, there's a good chance you're not following God's word. And my heart is not to shame you or bash you, it's to say, we all in walking with God's word, experience more life and need help together to experience more life. And one of the ways we know that we're following his word is by recognizing, man, there's times where in following Jesus, and following God's word, I'm doing that not because I want to, but because God's word says to. Should be times, in other words, that it contradicts you. Now, let me do a quick note on the trustworthiness of the Bible, because often Christians and college students, some professor 10 years ago said, you know, you can't really trust the Bible because it's been changed or, you know, there's contradictions inside of the Bible. And I remember in seminary having to study the changes in the manuscripts or the changes in the Bible, because surprise, there are some. And I remember studying going, this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna be so equipped to engage in this conversation. Like I wanna know about any of the big differences in the manuscripts, the original kind of writings that took place. Like, like where's the manuscript where one says he has twelve disciples and one says he had a biker gang? Where's the one that says this this manuscript says Jesus died and he was crucified? This one says he fell off a, a cliff. Where's that? Where's the contradictions? They don't exist. In fact, by far the most boring class I've taken in my entire life was textual criticism, why? Because they were going through the differences and the differences were so subtle and so un- insubstantial, it was like, this, this is kind of a waste of time. But here's an example of one of the differences. Hey, we have a manuscript where it says John, spells it with one N and then they found another manuscript and it has two N's. When you hear of, yeah, wow, you guys are <laughs> rowdy today. When your crazy uncle or that philosophy professor brought up, you know the Bible has contradictions in the original writings. That's the type of contradictions. They make no difference in substance in terms of the content. Doctrinal differences, the differences exist, but they don't make a difference. The reason people reject the Bible is not because it contradicts itself. Here's why they reject the Bible. Because it contradicts them. And they don't want to do what the Bible says. They don't want to stop sleeping with their girlfriend. So they'll just say, you know, that, that thing's been changed. You can't really trust it. It's outdated. They don't want to handle money the way God says, or they don't want to think about marriage and divorce the way God says, so they just say, man, I'm I'm rejecting that. It's a smokescreen. That the Bible can be trusted, and as we trust it and live according to it, we experience life. Finally, Paul says it prevents something from happening in our life. He writes, some of the last words to Timothy and he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. It's at the beginning of the last chapter that he would ever write to his friend, sitting in a tiny, cramped, cold, wet jail cell. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and will judge the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. In the presence of God, in light of him being the judge of all that is living and all who ever have lived, and in light and reality of his returning kingdom. Timothy, here's the charge. Same charge would apply to you and to me. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. That's when it's popular and when it's not, hold on to and teach and point people to God's word. Regardless of if it's in or out, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth, the truth from God's word, and turn aside to myths. He's saying, Timothy, continue to go back, point people to God's word when it's popular or when it's not. There's coming this time when people will not, they will reject the truth and they will turn aside to different myths. Is there a more appropriate fitting verse than... That for 2023. The third thing that we see is Paul's instruction. He's saying, go back to God's word. Go back to God's word. Is that it prevents us from wasting our life. That God's word and living according to it prevents us from wasting our life. It gives us the perspective of God on how to live and how to think and how to relate and what to do when we're hurt, what to handle or how to use and steward our life. And it prevents us from wasting our life by turning away to myths. He says, Timothy, you're to preach the word. We're in this series on brand and young people are probably familiar with this term. There's a term called brand ambassadors. Brand ambassadors are people who just kind of highlight and promote a different brand. When it comes to the Bible, the brand ambassadors are believers in Jesus. That in a world that is full of confusion and darkness, we point people to Jesus. We point people to Jesus and point people to his word. Yes, it is for free. A time is coming where people will turn aside to various myths. So don't Get away from this book, Timothy. In the world of confusion, it'll give you clarity. This is what I mean by, is there a greater time where people have turned away from the truth? In fact, redefined truth, declared, speak your truth as in truth could be movable. Widespread beliefs and myths that take place. I mean, the myths of our day are so widespread and prevalent. The idea that gender is not a thing, that it's on a spectrum. People have turned aside to a myth. I mean, think about that idea. Try explaining that to somebody 20 years ago. Hey, there's gonna come a day where if you say there's men and women, it's gonna be controversial. You may get pulled off of social media because of that. And yet, people have turned to that myth. Other myths, society-wise, as it relates to life, that, hey, a child is not a child until the day it is out of the womb and the mother has the right to end that child's life at any point within that, because it's not actually a life. That's a myth. And if you're someone here that has that a part of your story or fell for that myth, there's no shame. You're so loved, God's not done with you. But that's a result of our culture turning to myths because they have abandoned truth. Myths about marriage that, hey, it doesn't matter who you marry, as long as you love them, that love is love. That's a myth. Love is love is a myth. Because if love is love, is in like, it, you can't stop, you can't control who you love, then love is God. The truth is God is love. Love is not God, as in we are not ruled by the emotion of love. And yet culture is turned all across to these myths. Here's another myth, all faiths teach the same thing. That's a myth. The myth of good people go to heaven, that's a myth. Bible doesn't say good people go to heaven. It says forgiven people who've trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they go to heaven. And he's saying, Timothy, it is hard to overstate how important the word of God will be for the future generations of the church and the body of Christ that is the true body of Christ will always hold on to God's word. Hold on to God's word. Let it inform your life and go back to God's word in a culture of confusion. Don't trust how you feel. Trust in God's word. I mean, we're seeing the effects around us of what happens when a culture just lives according to or trusts exclusively in their feelings. And it brings a lot of pain and a lot of destructions. On an individual level, if a husband just goes with their feelings, I I can't tell you the number of stories if he left because he felt some way or lost feelings. And when we're not guided by God's word, but guided by feelings, it can lead to a lot of destruction. In 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr got on a plane to fly 20 minutes from a wedding that he was leaving, very short distance, around nine o'clock at night. 30 minutes later, he and his wife and his sister-in-law were flying directly nose first into the ocean. Why? Engine failure? Nope. Suicide? Nope. He thought he was flying straight. He'd entered into something called uh, black hole vertigo Black hole vertigo basically is something where pilots, if they are not using instrument tests and they just go off what they feel, their emotions and their vertigo will get all, all out of sorts and it will lie to them. And they will think we're flying straight. Cause you know, when you're in a plane, you can kind of feel when the plane is turning and there's certain conditions that in the weather, it will change that In black hole vertical and you'll think you're flying straight. He thought he was flying straight and he was flying straight into the ocean, tragically to his death, because he was going off of what he felt which is why you have to be something called instrument rated where pilots, if they're gonna fly in certain conditions to avoid black hole vertigo, because if you fly as a pilot and you just go off based on your feelings, then you're gonna have a lot of destruction. So they get instrument rated. I don't touch. trust what I feel. If I feel like we're upside down, I don't trust that. I trust the rating that tells me, hey, you're, you're flying straight, just keep going, that I trust the instruments to avoid following my feelings to destruction. And as believers, we have such an amazing gift because we have been given in a world that is Headed towards destruction, the gift of following God's word, not the feelings alone that we have. And it prevents that destruction from taking place. And Paul is saying, Timothy, preach the word when it's popular, when it's not. And that the messages of God's word are not always gonna be popular. And yet we're called to take that message to the world around us. I mean, it's such a powerful thing. You think of the context. Paul's saying, I'm dying, Timothy, but you need to know, You have everything you need with God's word and God's people. Continue going back to God's word, to studying it. My wife, a year and a half ago, was driving along the road, and she had a person pull up next to her that was trying to wave her down. And at first, she just thought, this is kind of a crazy person. This is bizarre. And he just kept doing it and she rolled down the window and he said, your car is smoking. There's smoke coming out of the sides of your car. For whatever reason, she couldn't see it. She pulls over and just smoke, just, it's going everywhere. Takes up the hood, not sure what to do, call the repair, get it towed. And the mechanics comes back and says, the engine coolant line had gotten disconnected. And that engine cannot properly function and is going to destroy itself if it's not connected to that engine coolant that keeps it cool that if you don't have that connection, then it's disconnected from the thing that allows it to properly function. And that's really what Paul's hammering home to Timothy and the invitation that he's given to us through his word of stay connected to the thing that will allow you to handle marriage properly, to give you a vision for how to raise kids appropriately, to proper function just like a coolant line with a car. God's word allows us in the confusion of the world around us to experience life, to know what life is actually about, to not buy the lies that every one of us are gonna get bombarded with when you leave these doors of what life is about and how you need a bigger house and you should change the car and you're not as appreciated as you should be at work or by your spouse and you should hold a grudge against them, all these different lies. And in the midst of those lies, we go back to God's word and say, what would God say about this? Not what do I think, not what is my experience, not what is my opinion. What does God say about this? Has he addressed it? How would he speak to this? not gonna go on my own. I'm gonna stay connected to the thing that will allow me to function properly. And maybe you don't know God's word well enough to do that and we wanna help, we wanna help. But my challenge to all of us today is for you individually, you personally, not your spouse, not your kids. What is it gonna look like this week for you to spend time in God's word? Maybe you spend 10 minutes every morning this morning. Maybe mornings, maybe you got like triplets and a new puppy and life is so crazy. I can't do that. And maybe you just spend five minutes meditating on a verse during the small nap time that you have or that they're napping. Maybe it's on your way to work. Maybe it's, man, I'm going to spend an hour each day and just sit down and open up to the book of Ephesians and just say, God, speak. Maybe you journey through Bible recap podcast or daily. You just have a reading plan that is given to you or the dwell app or any of the amazing resources that exist. What does it look like for you to spend time this week in God's word personally to say, God, I want you to speak to me, not through a podcast, not through somebody else. I want you to speak to me, God. Jesus actually prayed a prayer and I'll close here related to this idea and related to you and me. It was his last prayer he prayed. It's in John 17 and he's hours away from being crucified. And he prays for his disciples and he's prayed for his disciples a lot. But at one point he takes a turn and he brings up you and future followers of him. And he brings up God's word. He says, talking about the disciples in front of him, God, would you make them holy by your truth? Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, here's our part, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one as just as you and I are one and you are in me, Father, and I'm in you, that they may be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. That Jesus says, would you sanctify and make holy every future follower of Jesus? That's Jesus praying for you. Think about that. In his last hours, he prays specifically for you. And his prayer is, God, would you make them different? Set apart, that's what holy means. And would you use your word to do that? It's always been on brand for the followers of God to go back to God's word, to live according to it. Read it knowing it points to Jesus and points us to the life that is found in him. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at Citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgecc. See you next time.